Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Ellis Hennigan. None of us have fallen for the notion that this is conservative. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. And two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. By the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been... Woo, boy. So that elicited a lot of backlash. And I will say it came from both sides this time, Uh, obviously more so from the right. But I mean, there are people on the left who were criticizing him for that comment, right? Calling, referring to LL Cool J as boy. And my thing is, like, everybody knows, well, at least most people know that the term boy has been used historically to demean and belittle uh, uh, black men. Um, But when I saw this, you know, it's interesting because obviously Democrats are still uh, black Democrats are still going to vote for Biden. And I do know that it might be different if somebody like Trump had said that the media would have gone crazy with it. But I want to look at a deeper issue here. And this is Biden support among black Americans, which is really going down. And it's not like he can keep getting away with saying these things. We know that during the 2020 campaign, he said that if you don't know if you want to vote for him or Trump, then you ain't black. He makes these statements all the time. But a recent poll, there was a Highland Project poll that showed that a 69% of millennial and Gen Z black women are dissatisfied with the direction that the country is heading under Biden. There was an American Enterprise Institute survey that showed that only 21% of black voters between the ages of 18 and 49 want Biden to be the Democratic nominee. And there are plenty of other polls showing that Biden is losing black support. And I don't think it's really because he makes these comments or he makes these gaffes. um, But I think it's more because there's a growing sense in the black community that Democrats are not giving them a return on their investment. Black people vote for Democrats at a 90 percent rate and they get very little in return. However, on the other side, you have the Republican Party who really doesn't want black voters. I mean, they they don't reach out. they, They don't really try to court black voters. You've got Republican influencers telling the base that, oh, yeah, we're going to have this massive influx of black people into our party because Biden's losing support. It's the same tune that we heard in 2016. And then it doesn't happen. But here's the thing. Does it, it gets me to ask this question? Are black people getting to the point where we are politically homeless? You got one party that does nothing for our votes. We got the other party that doesn't want to compete. Where are we going here? I, I think black people are going to be staying home in larger numbers than normal. Yes. But but it, that's a question. Uh, is the black community becoming more politically homeless? I think apathy is going to become <laughs> the default because I can relate to that as one of them. Sixty nine percent millennial black women. <laughs> I can definitely say it's like Biden isn't he's not speaking for me. You know, he's not going to the podium advocating for my needs. And just thinking about as a woman. In his administration, the first thing that he said he was going to do was going to be to pass the voting rights bill or the voting rights act that was dead on arrival. He hasn't said anything about that since the campaign trail for 2020. So as a black voter, that was something that he used to incentivize and motivate black people to come out and vote last cycle. And he just completely abandoned that campaign promise. And then to see what happened to Roe as a woman happened under his presidency, even though he didn't do it. But we didn't see much outbursts or backlash or just any passion in my opinion i didn't see enough passion 
from this administration when it came to dealing with that issue when Roe was overturned. So I think that puts black women particularly in a very weird position because it's like, I mean, I guess we're going to vote for him because we don't want to vote for Trump, but it's very much so a begrudging vote. (laughs) Like it is a very nonchalant, unenthusiastic vote. And I do start to feel like, you know, we're just doing this to do it at this point because we can't vote for the other guy. And I know that Democrats are just very comfortable in there. They're very comfortable with the black vote. They know it's a vote that they can guarantee basically with 90 percent turnout every election. And they know they don't have to do much to work for it. So I would never advocate for going to the Republican Party. Love y'all Republicans. We're, we're uh, bless y'all Republicans, but come on over the the the, the no, Andrew. I love safety. you so much, but no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it just kind of leaves us like, what do we do? Do we continue to be kind of just taken advantage of and taken for granted, or? what do we do? How do we really flex our political power in this instance? I'm not entirely sure how to go about it. And other than not vote, <laughs> let, let me throw this out there. And I want to get you guys reaction to this, especially Imani that I've, I've seen, I've had conversations with black Democrats who actually wish that the Republican party were doing more to win black votes. And even to see more black people go over to the Republican party, because if both parties actually have to compete then they'll actually do something right now. The Democrats know that they can do whatever they want. Joe Biden can get on a stage with a banjo and and, and use all kinds of racial <laughs> epithets and black people will still vote for him. So to me, because the other party doesn't want the votes, they don't want to compete. But if they did, that would put black people in a position to where they could possibly influence the parties, either party. And what do you think? Because I, 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 I've always heard that argument. I want to see what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I'm personally I'm a little stuck on the um, picture of Joe Biden playing the banjo on stage. So I'm <laughs> having trouble focusing on the core question. But I, I want to ask a different question about this uh, latest gaffe. And look, Joe Biden for his entire public career has been a gaffe machine. There's you can't even question it. It's all the time over and over again. The gaffes are worse lately because of apparent cognitive issues. That's not a surprise. You listen to him now. You listen to him 10 years ago. There's a difference. It's it's very obvious. But for me, I, you know, and this is obviously speaking as a white guy, I found the LLJ cool J part far more troubling than the, you know, calling him boy because, and he, he self-corrected, right? He immediately corrected the man or whatever. And that to me is just such an, not even thinking about it way of speech, but the fact that he doesn't and can't and won't either read the teleprompter properly (laughs) or know who such a cultural icon is that he can refer to him by name accurately. I mean, he apparently feels comfortable talking about his bicep size, but he doesn't know the guy's name. I mean, this is not some obscure character. This is, you know, a major figure in American culture. Um, And, that to me is the issue, the the repeated demonstration of sort of cognitive slash knowledge problems. So that's what, you know, when I look at it, that was the troubling thing to me. But I'm curious, does does the butchering of LL Cool J's name alienate black hip hop lovers or is it really just the, the boy slip? Is that really the big issue? I think it's both. I think it just goes to show that they're not putting the care and the effort into trying to talk to the community. Like, why is it every time we try to talk to the community, we talking about hip hop? Is that all we are? 
<laughs> it's just hip hop. Like right. it's like they just they don't do a good job at really trying to embed themselves in the culture. Like just like when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016, she was like, I got hot sauce in my bag. And it was like, <laughs> oh, girl, like, you, you see that do- picture of that Kamala Harris put out where, where she's holding this big thing of, of greens and she's just I smiling at the refrigerator. Stop <laughs> that. That, that. That was amazing. Can I it's like, that's, water? that's her authentic California self just coming out. That's all that. No, is. it's not. And it's like we can tell. I think that's what it is. They are insulting us. OK, that's really what it is. You're starting to be insulting. And it's like just pass the dang voting rights bill. Like we're asking for bare minimum stuff. But you want to you can't even say LL Cool J name. Right. It's like their priorities be all out of whack. And my thing is this. All Democrats have to do in their administrations is one teeny teeny token of a thing for black people every four years it ain't even got to be nothing crazy just something that they can point to to be like we did that for y'all we got y'all come out let's do it again they don't ever have anything to point to because they don't deliver anything and that's my problem with them and that's what leads us to the thing that you're talking about jeff we go by election cycle after election cycle after election cycle with all these empty promises and they have nothing to show for and they're like well if you don't vote for us you're gonna vote for the racist and it's like there's overt and there's covert and you're getting covert by not delivering. So let's just call it what it is. You know, you can't you can only differentiate yourself from the other party for so long before it's starting to get real blurry and muddy to me. And people really can't tell anymore. And that's the position that the Democrats find themselves in right now. Well, I, I hear what all of you all are saying, but I'm going to be the voice of skepticism on some of this today, I think. What? You? Um, You all make make good points. It's always a mistake for people who are old talking about music that's too young for them. You know, I remember when my parents used to talk about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. They never quite got it right. Um, I think LL might be in your uh, your vicinity age wise, by the way. Oh, well, yeah, but I, I'm not the one who screwed up his name. I could have gotten his name. <laughs> um, and we're celebrating uh, my, the 50th anniversary of hip hop, which is kind of worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yes. a cultural moment. And that is the, you know, probably the most potent musical genre of of today cutting across the, the, the country. But you're right. I mean, when old people talk about kids music, even 50 year old kids music, they always they always sound a little goofy. Now, now, let, let, let me focus on the political parts of this, though. First of all, Black voters, particularly black female voters, are the are the base of the Democratic Party. Today, yes. Right. Yes. I mean, they're the most reliable they're voters. Fine. They're active. They're compared to most folks, uh, pretty, pretty engaged. And ju- just as much as white evangelicals are the are the core, really, of the Republican Party. I mean, that's that's the way the politics align today. And it's it's true. I mean, there's a lot of on all sides. Everybody's unhappy. We're we're a grumpy nation. Right. And Biden's numbers are in the toilet and Donald Trump's numbers are in the toilet. I mean, we hate all politicians today. So I don't know that you can that you can read so much into that. I mean, that's to me, that's a broader cultural question about why we don't like our our political leaders anymore. Why we're why we're so frustrated and in all directions. Those. Yeah. There's a lot of you all cited those wrong direction numbers. I mean, they're abysmal. But they're abysmal for everybody. Um, there was a time, and I guess it's after the one of you all will remember this date after the 2012 election, I guess the Republican Party all got together and said, we did this big autopsy. And what we've got to do is become broader. 
right? We've got to be have a moderate immigration plan and we've got to welcome Latino voters and give and give African-American voters a feeling they have a home. And everybody rallied around that. It all sounded very sensible and logical. And then Donald Trump came down and ran it over with a with a with his golf cart. <laughs> you had right? Jeb Bush campaigning in, in Spanish, right? I mean, oh, yeah, next was, we heard there was, was a Muslim try. Campaign. It didn't work. Yeah, but that was, that was never really serious. In the so first I think Repub- I think it is the right answer for Republicans, but I don't think they want to make it. And no, they don't. don't <laughs> yeah, that, that whole autopsy it. thing was never serious in the first place. I mean, Paul Ryan urged Mitt Romney to court black voters. He had a whole plan laid out. I mean, Paul Ryan was a disciple of Jack Kemp, a Republican who actually wanted black voters. And yeah. Romney's team tore the whole thing up. They all the Republicans have the Republican Party, I should say, has always done this. They always try to make mm-hmm. it sound like they want black voters. Really, the they're putting on a, an illusion for their white base to make them think that, oh, yeah, we're actually trying to get more people in this party. So don't leave us because we're not racist. But at the same time, they don't actually put forth the effort. I mean, you have yeah. some individuals who do, but by and large, the Republican apparatus does not. Yeah. Well, in defense of the indifferent uh, GOP uh, outreach to black voters, uh, the perception among a lot of uh, members of the Republican Party is, what is the point of trying? It's an impossible get. It's banging your head against the wall. It doesn't matter what we say, what we do, what we offer. You know, even if the, you know, the benefits of GOP led areas are demonstrably superior to Democrat led areas for black inhabitants, it doesn't penetrate because it's a guaranteed vote for the Democrats in those areas. And so, you know, we could do outreach as a noble, useless cause politically, but what's the point of doing it? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's the excuse that I've always heard Republicans give. I always bring up Governor Mike Huckabee in Arkansas. When he ran for governor, he got 49 percent of the black vote. How? I asked him. I asked him, how'd you do it? He's like, well, I asked for it. I actually put in the work. I went into black communities. I spoke at black churches. So Republicans, if they really wanted it, they could get more of the black vote. Now, it would take a long time. This wouldn't be like an overnight type of thing. You have to put in the work for an extended period of time because the GOP has essentially ignored the black community since the Goldwater years. So you have to win that trust back. The problem is they just don't want to do it. If you were to ask the average Republican voter, the average conservative, would you like to see more black and Hispanics in the party? They would say yes. Of course, they, they would love that. Everybody. But when you well, look everyone. at the leadership and the GOP party, they don't. And it's a leadership problem, just like we have a leadership problem in this country, period. Just like the DNC, the RNC or the GOP, excuse me, has leadership problems. The people who are making these decisions aren't even thinking about the people whom the party is made up of. Because like you're saying, if you were to poll the average Republican, if they if the polls are saying that they want blacks and Latinos and other people to be a part of the gang, then that's what the leadership should do. But they have a... They have an agenda. They've had an agenda since the Southern strategy, and it's been a winning agenda for a very long time. And it's going to be very hard to convince them to do otherwise, because, frankly, they don't need the votes to win. They can get the black votes just, you know, because they could try and get them, but they don't need them. And you're we're trying to get people. Well, not me, but if we were trying to do this, <laughs> we're trying to get some people to, uh, to do something that they don't necessarily need to, but they would have to want to do it. So so here's a question. And I say this, I mean, I'm having this conversation, but I say this as somebody who hates both major parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, even the Republicans got more of the black vote. They wouldn't do anything with it. So what do black people do to get more political capital? I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? I mean, Democrats I will never do deliver because they don't have to. So yeah. to me, like, what, what, what do we do? I don't know. I feel and this is a perfect segue. 
into our next topic. But I feel like they're going to have to lose really, really, really bad. They're just going to have to simply lose really bad to change because they are stuck in this very overconfident, cocky state of mind that at this point is delusional. And I don't know why they're still behaving this way as if everything is sweet because it's really not. And if they want the Right. The challenge isn't, at least at the moment, Jeff, I, I think, isn't whether black voters will vote Republican because there's very little evidence that in large numbers that's going to happen. And and, and Republicans aren't doing anything, as you say, probably to to deserve it. The question is whether they turn out at all. Correct. Difference between races where there's high black turnout. Democrats are doing great. I mean, and, and, and Biden and Harris were able to get very, very high turnouts in those in those areas the last time. Will they be able to do that again? And Amani, you make a good you make a good point. Uh, there's some things I think Dems have to point to, and there's certainly some things they can point to and say, "Look how wretched those other guys are." But there is a need to rev up some enthusiasm there, and that's that's really what this campaign is about, I think. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking. What's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. So in the latest poll that came out, I believe it was in the Washington Post. And a lot of people are going to say this is an outlier post and it very well may be. But the post shows that Joe Biden is down in the polls in this particular poll, 42 percent to Trump having 51 percent up. And when you get into the meat of the poll, it's just not looking great. The same numbers that we've been seeing and he's trending down. You're seeing a lot of people in the poll say they would just rather somebody else run. But then there's a lot of people in the poll giving conflicting opinions where they're like, who else can it be? So we're just really in a part in the Democratic Party, just like you're saying, Jeff, where people are kind of just their hands are tied. People don't even know what to do anymore, but they are not pleased with the direction of where the party is going. They do not believe they have adequate leadership. And it's starting to look like the Democrats are walking into this election and it's going to be a slaughter. They're walking in with their eyes wide open and they're going to get murked. Now, although he may not lose by 10 percent, he is trending down and he barely won last time. I believe it was four point five percent. So if you are trending behind in the polls, getting this close to the election, it's not looking good, babes. So my question is this. What is a a Trump presidency going to look like for the next four years? Are people scared enough for that? Is that fear of what that could be strong enough to get people to vote? Or is it going to be what I think people just aren't going to vote and they're going to end up losing because they didn't do what they were supposed to do the last four years to secure a second term? 
So, so are you predicting that Democrats are going to lose in 2024? Basically, I'm going to put my money on it today. Y'all quote me today. I said this September 27th, 2023. They are going to lose and it's not going to be by one point. I think they're going to lose by at least two, three points. At least it's not going to it's going to be close, but it's not going to be super close. I'm feeling it's going to get very much so 2016 where everybody's just saying, oh, it's all good. Hillary's the only competent one. How could we ever vote for Trump? He's crazy. What, why would we do that? And they're still going to lose. And that's my prediction. I'm saying that right now. Both Electoral College and popular vote, you think? <sighs> electoral College, for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, for sure. Popular vote, not entirely sure. I think he could mess around and lose the popular vote, not because Trump is going to get more votes, Technically, he'll get more votes. But I think there's going to be a lot of people who typically come out and vote in this election who are not going to be motivated enough to do it. They're either going to not vote as a protest vote because they're not getting what they felt like they were supposed to get over the last four years, or they're just completely apathetic towards this process at this point, and they don't feel motivated enough to even participate. So I think that's why he's going to lose, not necessarily because people are going to vote against Biden, but I don't think he has the uh, the chutzpah to motivate people to come out and vote for him. That's why I think he's going to lose. I think that there's a he has a serious enthusiasm problem, a voter mm-hmm. enthusiasm. Biden does. I saw a poll last week saying that uh, like 51 percent of those who support him would be voting for him because they don't want Trump to be president. And 49 percent saying that they vote for him because they support him on Trump's side. The number of people who actually support Trump was like at 60, 69 percent. Mm-hmm. The ones who were just voting against Biden were at like 30, 30, 40 percent. So, I mean, uh, there is there last is a time around, too. I mean, you know, you had huge crowds for Trump and Biden in his basement on Zoom uh, doing nothing. And, you know, the 18 people show up at a rally still won. You know, the, this the, is the enthusiasm gap doesn't necessarily mean that the votes aren't there. Right. Uh, I that think is, the that is Biden time. was higher in 2020, though. Amani, I'm going to take your bet. OK. OK, take my, my bet. I'll put 50 bucks on it. And let me you, you make a good case. I, I, and I think the, the part that I agree with what you're talking about is the enthusiasm. There is an enthusiasm problem out there. But it's also true that Democrats, because I don't know, something in the DNA, but Democrats always in the run up to an election get in this little hysterical period. Like, oh, my God, everything's going to hell. We're never going to. I mean, there is a lot of that in the kind of the psyche of Democrats. But boy, I think there's a I think Dems are still playing from a pretty strong uh, uh, point of strength on this one. First of all, is like a strong word I know. I mean, he's got a bunch of stuff done. I mean, he's passed a bunch of bipartisan legislation that nobody said that he would. He's he's revived NATO. He's gotten America to stand up against the Russians in a way that uh, I, I think has been a, a, a positive. Anyway, I can I can list all the guys accomplishments and I, and I have some bones to pick with him, too. But I don't see anything that Donald Trump, who I believe will be the Republican nominee, yeah, for sure. done since that race in 2020 that would make anybody else vote for him. I mean, he's driven people away, you know, January books and yeah, claiming yeah. he won the election and four indictments. And is that going to make suburban voters, people in the middle, swing voters move from Biden to Trump? Because uh, that's got to happen no. in billions. I just don't see it. I don't think yeah, they're going to I mean, move. If you've got like a one to 10 scale, you know, 10 is a, a hundred just sold out for Trump and one is like sold out for Biden. OK, so fives are the undecideds. Right. Right. Um, That's who the, know, race is about, the, the, the Trump supporters are all nines and tens. Correct. Yeah. And, 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 and the Biden supporters are all like, you know, four point eight. 
Okay, you know, they're like barely, but there are more of them. And, you know, the nines and tens are loud and boisterous and active and want you to believe they represent everybody. And I'm kind of with Alice. I think that it's, um, you know, the Trump supporters are looking at this poll and just loving it. Mm-hmm. And I look at this poll and think that seems a little bit outliery to me. Yeah. And yeah. I know what turned out last time was, you know, huge rallies, no rallies. And yet the numbers, because people still, when push came to shove to pick, they weren't excited about voting for Biden, but they voted for Biden. I mean, even look at the, the one, the one that's the most surprising on here, I thought was the, um, you know, Democratic Party nomination preference, right? Like mm-hmm. um, 33% want Biden, 62% want somebody else. That's, mm-hmm. Yes. That's and that's, a, wow. That's so and that's what I mean. And the thing is, y'all, when we go back, let's think about 2020 when he was running. First of all, he ran as a, fir- as a one-term president. They were teeing up Kamala to be the, the candidate the second time. He never was supposed to be here for two terms anyway. And at the time, people were still holding on to their Obama glory days. They didn't know what a Biden presidency was. So what helped them with the, the initial turnout, I think, was a lot of that nostalgia and people looking up at their Obama pictures and thinking about that, the glory days. And I think that's what got people to vote for him the first time and defeat defeat Trump the first time. Now he's just another establishment candidate who didn't do a great job when we're thinking about everyday Americans. Like think about what, how Biden can market himself. He's passed all of these bills that nobody knows about. If you was to tap a a random American on the street and be like, what has Biden done for you? They're going to say nothing. Uh, It's expensive. My rent just went up $600. My food costs a trillion dollars. Gas is high as I don't know what. My wages are stagnant. There's nothing that everyday voters can look at and be like, thank you, Biden, except for maybe some of the people who are affected by um, some of the student loan debt forgiveness stuff. But that's going to be the stuff that helps an incumbent president win a second term. And he doesn't have that type of support. His favorability is low, (laughs) like people are not happy with the job that he's doing. And he's an incumbent president going into that. So then people are going to have the reverse nostalgia. Oh, I remember Trump gave us them checks. Gas was real low (laughs) during the pandemic. You know, when I think about it, my rent was lower, too. People are going to start kind of romanticizing what it was like. Exactly. They're going to start romanticizing what it was like to be under Trump. I'm already seeing the tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. But people are saying it wasn't even that bad for real. So and you're going to have the reverse thing and they're going to vote for Trump. That's what I think is going to happen. Biden hasn't done himself a good job. One, he hasn't marketed things that he's accomplished well, because most people don't even know he's done those things. And then two, he is already unpopular his own party 62 percent of his own dang party don't want him to run so that's just not a really strong point to be going into a general against somebody who has a cult following like trump does and even the things that he's accomplished you can't put that between two pieces of bread and eat it you know, people are still mm-hmm. paying exorbitant fees at the at the grocery store he hasn't done much about that and and with this particular poll i, I don't buy it i think it is an outlier but i do buy the idea that they're about neck and neck um, mm-hmm. but my, 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 what I wonder is like with all these indictments against Trump, they are helping him during the primaries. And that I think those indictments are the main reason he's going to win the primaries. I used to think that when they, when they got to the general, that it would hurt him 
But I'm not seeing that. I mean, there, there's not over 90 charges against Trump and he's running neck and neck with Biden right now. Mm-hmm. That should not be happening, especially with Biden being the incumbent. So at this point, I don't know what's going to happen. And Amani, you make a good case for why Trump could possibly win. Um, but I'm, I'm I mean, unless he goes to jail, but maybe even then we, we live in crazy times. If If he faces jail time, that might even help him more. Yeah, well, it's super weird, right? Like it's it's understandable that the uh, the Trump supporters are thriving on the indictments, right? Because it reinforces the narrative that he's being persecuted. The deep state's out to get him. This is all political. And for people who view it that way, the more indictments, the more they love him because it's more confirmation of that narrative. Uh, and, and I'm with you, Jeff. I'm not sure how the middle of the road voter, the person who might theoretically be swayed one way or the other is reacting to that stuff, because I think they have the war in their own head of. Well, he resisted the peaceful transfer of power. They got a point there. Um, You know, there's his behavior and his commentary and all of that. Um, And there's the indictments. And that worries me for a variety of reasons. And again, I do remember the gas was cheaper. And I do remember he did great in the economy. And I do remember that I could afford chicken back then and bacon, both both chicken and bacon. I didn't have to only buy chicken. You know, I can I could really pay for both of them. And you know, that seemed to work OK. And so I can I can see where you're concerned about. I'm not sure which way they react to this stuff come a year from now, November. But I, I there was go ahead. I was going to say there was that other survey. And I, I know you hate surveys, Andrew, but I, I know there was that survey. I'm glad we honored that comment, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> no, there was that survey that showed that I believe it was 44 percent of Americans uh, say that their lives were easier before Biden took office than it was after now that's not the majority but that's a huge chunk of people i mean yeah. if those people are normally democrats i can see them staying home or maybe even holding their nose and going with trump even though they hate his guts they if their lives were better but when he was in office they might be willing to deal with the drama so I let think- me ask you guys let me ask you guys something who do people like nobody, nobody. congress do you think people like what they're doing in congress right now no, that was Trump, another trump's numbers are lower than biden's biden's <laughs> is pretty darn low who do be i mean i think see I, I think the danger here i mean you you can look at any one of these people and everybody agrees we hate them right I mean, we hate them all every every one of them we hate but when you start comparing them with each other you kind of what you, you remember in school they had the thing where they would curve the grade you know what's the curve, <laughs> the right. curve is like zero now right mm-hmm. so it's a harder comparison i think yeah you guys think there's a i i not had this thought before so i could be just off my rocker but uh when you were talking about people looking up at the picture of obama and thinking we're getting a third obama term here and you know that kind of nostalgia for that era and all the things that he represented to a whole group of people do you think maybe the and certainly Biden campaigned on that? I mean, he clearly, you know, there was there was all kinds of that infusing his campaign. Hundred percent. Did that maybe work against him now? Because there's nobody looking at Joe Biden and thinking, ah, oh, the sweet era of Obama is back. There's nobody who thinks that, right? So that's the uh, raised expectations that it would be the third and fourth term. And that got dashed on the rocks and they're seeing what Biden really is. And he clearly can't even come close to living up to whatever they thought Obama was. Is that working against that disillusionment? I think so. I think the thing is with Biden, he had an opportunity to have a clean slate and he had a very low bar to clear and he couldn't clear it. And that's why people are upset. If you pass voting rights in the year of 2000, anything 
that I don't know what to tell you. Like that's very basic stuff. If you can't get minimum wage pass, not even say you couldn't get the 15. He proposed the 15. It got voted down and he simply never tried again and never spoke about it again. Like both chambers of Congress too, literally and had both chambers of Congress. It's like, did you even try? Like there's this one quote from a comedy special where this dude was getting beat up and they was like, dang, did you even pinch him? Like, did you even pinch him? Did you you scream at him? Did you curse him a little? He didn't try hard enough. And I think that's where he messed up because he came in, he, and of course we had nothing to compare him to, right? We never saw him as a president, but he said, look, I'm going to be this, I'm the FDR. I'm about to bring in a new era of America. got everybody excited and then didn't even do a fourth of that. And so now we're stuck with the reality of the disappointment that yes, leaning on Obama created, but he, he created, he put forth his 2020 campaign promises and they were great and they were exciting. And he's the one who couldn't deliver on hardly any of them. So that's something he did to himself. Can we do crazy theory time for a second, just cause it's been bugging me and this whole conversation about who's your alternative, right? Uh, you got Gavin Newsom is going to do this debate on Hannity with uh, Ron DeSantis. And, you know, clearly that's an act of probably desperation by Ron DeSantis, you know. All right. okay. And Gavin Newsom, who uh, I didn't watch the interview, but I got told that he really cleaned Hannity's clock in the interview that he did not that long ago. And so, you know, he's clearly going to be it's going to be good. Okay, it's going to be interesting. This crazy wingnut theory that I've heard out there that, okay, Feinstein's seat. She says she's going to fill it out. But, you know, we'll see. So Feinstein leaves, Kamala gets put in the California Senate by Gavin Newsom, who in trade gets made the vice president, who when Biden steps down. Crazy theory time or is this is this insanity? Is there anything to this? They were trying to make him one of the party leaders. So it was supposed to be Stacey Abrams, but they've completely abandoned that whole thing. (laughs) So I think after that, they kind of scrambled when she didn't win governor because at the DNC convention, I think it was like maybe two years ago now, they like had her as like the whole keynote speaker. So it was supposed to be Stacey. It's not anymore. So I think they're scrambling and Gavin is somebody. And I'm not sure if the rumors are coming from Gavin's camp because I know he wants to be president (laughs) so bad. Like who is starting these rumors? Is this really? conspiracies come from me. Self-original. <laughs> it comes from his hair gel. That's it. So, so, Andrew, there is zero chance. Let me put your mind at ease on this. There is zero chance that Vice President Harris will quit her vice presidency to become a senator from California. Zero. She did not go this. She's a very ambitious woman. She did not go this far to step away from it, from away from her. I do agree with Might you. Might not be her choice. That Gavin Newsom, well, she could decide whether to resign or not, I guess. Uh, Gavin Newsom is, I mean, he's a man on the rods. And and you're right, it's not going to be Stacey. Losing hurts your chances when you don't win the governor's race. It it, it takes you off of the fast track. Um, and he has, I think, I mean, I was not a huge fan of his, but I do think he's among the top two or three you know, Dems of the next generation. You'll notice how loyal he's being to Biden, though. Right. Anytime anybody asks about absolutely not. I'm not campaigning for Biden. I mm-hmm. love Biden. Biden's going to be the new guy. And I think that's just strategic that if that if something happens to Biden and he goes away, Gavin Newsom is going to be in a very strong position to to step up. But I don't think he's going to stick a knife in in uh, in Joe Biden's back. So he might he might take the veep slot, but he that'd be under Kamala as opposed to instead of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, that, that's what, or if something happens to Biden, I mean, listen, if Biden goes away, I do not think 
that people will say, well, hey, she's the vice president. She gets it automatically. They'd be one hell of a fight for her. And there'd be a lot of people running for that. That'd be a very thick primary. That that would be a crazy primary to witness. I would be giddy to watch that. Yeah, I don't think Kamala would win. I mean, they'd be crazy to nominate her. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't do a good job. And again, this is a whole nother thing. I'm not sure whose fault it was, but she got elected and did nothing as well. It was just a complete miscalculation. Oh, the border. What do you mean? She solved the border. She gave (laughs) the border. She solved the border. Failure with that, too. Like, come on, Andrew, stop stopping sexist and racist, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) They set her up for failure when they said, Kamala, your duties as VP is immigration. Fix it. Solve that. that. How is she going to do that? So, yeah, it's lose lose. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in this election. I don't even know what a Trump twenty twenty four presidency looks like. I can't even imagine what them four years are going to be. But uh, buckle up, y'all. Get your popcorn ready. Get prepared. Uh, build your World War Three bunkers because we're going for a ride. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.